The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. DraftKings brings you same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more. You can download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code VOXMMA. That's code VOXMMA for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just 5 bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 and over, age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligible and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. All right, everybody. Part two of our UFC 270 post-fight coverage. This is our live post-fight show. We just heard from the fighters, some of the tastemakers, and now we're going to hear from good old us as we break down the top storylines from a very memorable UFC 270 and an event that the storylines continue to pile up, and I feel like the storylines are going to continue on for the next couple of weeks. But thank you for checking us out at this at this hour. I am Mike Heck. We got Jose Youngs in Anaheim. Just wrapped up the press conference today. Tremendous up, job. Hello, sir. It's a little blurry, we but have, doing my best. <laughs> we have Mr. Sean Alshadi in the house. Good to have you back, Let's go. sir. Let's go. Excited. Let's talk about some fights, Mike. What a <laughs> night. Oh, my God. I got energy for days. I know it's like 3.30 over there for you, but it's only 1.30 here, baby. Let's go. You you seem like you've drank 14 Red Bulls, and and, and I'm digging it. I'm, I'm just going to try to like surface this energy from you in some way. And then, of course, on the ones and twos, E. Casey Lydon. So a lot happened tonight, gentlemen. A lot yeah. happened. Francis Ngannou became Francis Ngannou Madoff. Dude's landing takedowns. He's doing all sorts of crazy stuff on the ground. I mean, this is the fight we predicted. I mean, go back and listen to our preview show. We predicted a five-round scramble fest, especially in the championship round, Sean. So what did you learn the most about this heavyweight title fight? Because something tells me you uh, you were probably blown away by all these extra things we didn't expect. I mean, man, where to start on this, right? What did I learn? I learned, we learned who Francis Ngannou is just as a human being, as a champion, as, a, as an athlete, you look at this performance tonight 
everything coming into it, all the factors that were stacked against him, all that this man was dealing with. I mean, we, we even learned now about this knee injury that he suffered about three weeks ago, MCL, ACL. Obviously, all the, the contract discussion, even, even you know, if you want to put to the side the, the MMA factory stuff, the Cyril Gaon teammate stuff, that whole thing. Like, let's put that to the side for a moment. Just the contract issues and all of the problems he's had with the UFC. Our good friend Ariel Hawani has said it several times this week, but you look back at the history of these sort of issues, these sort of problems within the sport, within the UFC, a fighter at the peak of their earning windows really trying to challenge the UFC in this way. It's not a list that is kind to the working class. The house always wins, as Ariel likes to say, in these type of scenarios. And it was all going against Francis Ngannou tonight. And he ends up being down 0-2, coming into that third round. And, dude, the way he was able to dig deep and really just put on a championship-level performance in the way that no one actually saw coming, right? Nobody predicted a wrestling-heavy win by Francis Ngannou, but he did it. And what now is – it's funny because what turned into probably the least eventful – and the least interesting win of Francis Ngannou's actual, you know, career, just in terms of the actual fight itself, is also probably, in my eyes, the most important and really the most courageous win that this man has had in his UFC run and his MMA run overall. Because now the cards, he's still the cards are still in his hands, right? Like he still holds all the cards. The chips were all stacked against him. The house was was against him. Everything and. We saw it, man. He, he came through. He pulled through in the biggest possible moment of his life. And he still leaves the cage as the champion. And that's the most important thing, especially right now for this man. He still leaves the cage with the belt uh, wrapped around his waist, whether it was wrapped around there by Dana White or someone else. Uh, he is still the champion, man. And that is the single most important thing. And that's what I learned about Francis Ngannou from this night is just who he is. And, and again, what this, how di- uh, deep this man was able to dig uh, to get this one out there. And we will certainly talk about who wrapped the belts around his waist and who didn't show up at the press conference in a little bit. But Jose, Casey and I were talking about this as the press conference was going on as we were waiting in between fighters. That although when you look at a Francis Ngannou fight and the casual audience who was looking to buy this fight was expecting a Francis Ngannou performance to go, they're expecting power. They're expecting ferocious knockouts. They're they're expecting the terrifying Francis Ngannou. Can you make the argument with what we saw over the final 15 minutes of this fight, that even though Francis wasn't that terrifying knockout artist, that maybe Francis Ngannou, the heavyweight champion, the mixed martial artist, is a little more terrifying now that we see a little more tools in the tool belt? 100%. I mean, I said it for a long time. Like, Francis might be really good at wrestling. We just don't know because he hasn't had to use it. Uh, So Francis Ngannou, that can lose two rounds catch a high kick out of the air and then power slam uh, another heavyweight human being onto the canvas and then win three straight rounds is on, on one knee because let's not forget his, his one, his right knee is like shredded. So yeah, terrifying human being who can knock you dead and has the toughness of an inhuman being. So yeah, the heavyweights beware, whether it's MMA or boxing. And what about, like, I, I know Francis wasn't, like, running marathons after Casey, but the man went five rounds and he wrestled throughout the tramp championship rounds. Like, that's got to be another scary part of this game, right? He's the champion, goes five rounds. Not a, not a thing you're going to see very often with Francis, but a lot of people are saying on Twitter after the second round, oh, he's got his mouth open, he's gassed, he's tired, and then he's just 
picking dudes up in the sky and slamming them to the mat <laughs> with relative ease. He's sweeping dudes. He's escaping submissions in the fifth round. Like this guy was all over the place. Like, what did you think of the, the cardio conversations heading into the fight? And what did you see at least, especially over those final five minutes when things were getting a little dicey for him? I think we just saw that we can finally just, let's just kill that narrative. That's all. It's like, we're living off, where are we living that narrative from? Is that from the Stipe fight, basically? The first Stipe fight? That's what we're living off of? We we, we, we yeah. know, we keep saying, Francis is a new, we hear Rogan say it all the time, this, this is a new fighter, this new fighter. It is a new fighter. It is a better fighter. It is a, each Francis Ngano that walks out there in a cage, as long as he's is with Eric Nixick and those coaches at Extreme Couture, is getting better and better. And it's it's a pleasure as a fan to watch this and as a media member to see this. And we're just seeing, yeah, it wasn't the most exciting fight. I don't care. We're not, they're not all going to be like that. But like, like what Shaheen said, we just saw the heavyweight champion become better in there. We got to see it and he got to prove it in the cage and things weren't going, things weren't going the way he wanted it to go. He adjusted and he still won the freaking fight by out grappling and winning the later rounds. The fight, the rounds are here that he's supposed to lose. That he's all, I'm tired, I'm tired. He still had the heart, he had the guts, he had the uh, the fight IQ to win that championship fight, and that's what he needed tonight. Tonight wasn't about get him getting a big knockout, him proving that he was the baddest man on the planet, and all that stuff. We already knew that. Tonight for him it was get that W, and to really annoy a very rich bald man who sits outside the cage. Yes, and it is not I who is the rich yeah, no, man, no. and I am not saying outside the cage. Oh wait, so wait, wait, let's real quick. We have a we have a guest. We have a guest. Let me um, where is he? Oh, oh, jeez. Hello, AK. There we go. Hello. I can't hear you. I'm here. here. I'm here. I'm here in the little box. Oh, I'm in, <laughs> I'm in the little box. Uh, yeah, I, I, I'm sorry. I'm sure you guys are already sorry to be late. I'm sure you guys are already talking about the main event. Uh, so I don't want to tread too much of that ground. But uh, man, that's fascinating stuff. I mean, that was a fascinating fight. And I thought it was funny that some people were um, kind of pick up on what uh, what you were just saying, Case. Some people were, were comparing uh, Gon's approach to uh, George St. Pierre, sort of like how methodical he was and like, oh, he's kind of like dissecting him and, you know, how good he looked in the first two rounds. And, how, and you know, uh, GSP was so famous for neutralizing uh, any opponent he fought, neutralizing their strengths, not always in the most exciting way. You know, we look back at him now. Of course, one of the biggest draws in UFC history uh, and also a great tactical fighter. But, I mean, he got a lot of criticism. At the time. A lot of fans just did not like watching GSP fights. Um, so I think people said, oh, well, that's what Khan's doing now. He's going to beat Francis and that's what's going to happen. And ironically, it's Francis who showed uh, sort of that that I'm willing to go to – I'm willing to break out my entire tool set uh, to win a fight. To, to beat a dangerous opponent. So it's kind of it, – the narrative just turned around like right in the middle of the fight. And I think that's what made it so interesting. And a fight that like I get it, it's not one you're going to load up on fight pass like like uh, you know uh, Chandler Gaethje. Um, but in the moment, it it was really thrilling and really fast. I, I, really fascinating to watch. I was like I was it was so tense. Uh, I was like breathing weirdly. Like uh, <laughs> in the middle of the second round and onward, I'm like this is weird. Like this is a weird fight to watch. But I couldn't take my eyes off it. And, and I think uh, I hope most fight fans appreciate. Uh, sort of what what they witness because it's I don't know if you'll ever see a heavyweight fight like that again uh, relative to the expectations that it had going in it was it was really something else so um, I get it not not a uh, not a barn burner but um, I mean if you want to talk about what is MMA I, I mean that fight is it 
No, I mean, I'll, if I could jump in really quickly, I mean, I agree 100% with what AK just said there in that I don't know that we'll ever see a heavyweight title fight like this again. And, and a big part of that, and really the main part of that is because of the narrative going into it, right? Of, of what we knew was at stake here, man. Because this really, the stakes for tonight were so much bigger than just a title fight, so much bigger than just this one man trying to, you know, preserve his legacy or continue his legacy or anything like that. It's just there is so much on the line for Francis and so much against him. And as you're watching this play out in real time of him losing these first two rounds and you see it slipping, it's the same thing we've seen all these times before of a fighter trying to stand up against the UFC and then it all backfires against them. We're watching it happen in real time and to see him sort of turn the tide but not in the way that we would ever have expected him to turn the tide in the complete opposite direction of how we would ever expect a Francis Ngannou victory to go. It was incredible theater. It was absolutely incredible theater. And you're right. We're not going to dial this back up on Fight Pass. We're not going to rewatch this on YouTube when the UFC uploads a free fight. But in the moment, it was absolutely incredible to watch. Were there moments in that second round when you thought, oh, no, not maybe, oh, no, but Cyril Ghan is going to – Volkov Ninganu for 25 minutes. Absolutely. There was like, oh, we're going to see a new champion. We're going to see Francis just chase around gone for 25 minutes and that's it. And Absolutely. You're, you're and right. You, and, you, I mean, the, and you sorry. see Francis come in with the knee wraps. You see him come in. He's not moving as well as he normally does. He's being a lot more patient than normal, but also like just sluggish. Like it just felt like it was building to that exact moment. We're all afterwards right now. We're all going to be talking about, well, you know, guess, guess that's what it is for Francis. He, maybe he's not the best heavyweight in the world. And yeah. we would just all move on and we would have all just dismissed it. And even if the knee thing came out afterwards, it's just, you know, ah, that's just excuses. He would have lost to Cyril anyway. Cyril's such a technician. Uh, it would, it absolutely. It would for 10 minutes. It looks yeah. like we were headed towards an absolute nightmare scenario for Francis. And man, again, to be able to pull it out in the way that he did, uh, I thought it was just unbelievable. It was absolutely unbelievable to watch. And full credit, I mean, obviously to France and Ghana for digging deep and, and, and dealing with all that pressure and everything, because you have to feel the pressure. There's no doubt about it. But credit to Eric Nixick and Dewey Cooper in the corner who knew exactly what to say. Hello, sir. <laughs> How are you? But those guys just knew exactly what to say to him. And like Nixick, like, like almost like timed what he had to say in his head. And then he was like, go ahead, coach. What do you got to say? And then Dewey had enough time to like say what he had to say. And you could see like the calmness come over Francis before he got off the stool, especially in rounds three, four, and five. It was amazing. But Sean, might as well talk about it. This is the big story. This We can't bury the lead anymore. We talked about the rich bald man enough. But he didn't show up tonight when, at, at the very end of the night. We didn't see him. The last time we saw him was when he wrapped the belt around Davidson Figueredo's waist. Dana White did not wrap the belt around Francis Ngannou's waist. Not only that, he did not show up to the press conference. So I'm curious, Sean, what did his silence say to you? Not even silence, right? Just complete absence. Because you're right. Yeah. He was there. It's yeah. very convenient that he was there. For the co-main event, he was there to wrap the belt around Davis and Figueroa's waist. He was nowhere to be seen to, to wrap the belt around Francis' waist. He did not show up for the post-fight press conference, which is very unusual, in particular for a first pay-per-view of the year. And altogether, like I know some people didn't like the main event. Again, I've, I've sort of explained why I really enjoyed it in the moment, but... Outside of that, like this card was way better than any it had any right to be, right? Like this was a really fun yeah. card 
all night. Like we had crazy finishes, crazy action for the most part. Like this was a big success for the UFC on, on a on a show where like we spoke about it yesterday on the preview show. We were kind of crapping on it, and deservedly so, right? Like they, you had half the card seemingly making their UFC debuts on this, uh, and it ended up being a really fun night with lots of great, great finishes. And it is one of those moments where you just knew Dana was going to come up there and say, "That's why you don't say anything about the card until it happens." The, you know that that heard <laughs> thing we've heard a thousand times. Like this was the moment to do it, uh, and it feels obviously very telling the fact that he was not there. Uh, you can't it's it's we're still in the speculation mode right now It's still the speculation hour we haven't really heard word of why he's not there so you know you hope it's not uh some crazy personal thing happened it's something like that uh but for the most part it feels pretty likely we know why he wasn't there uh and that in and itself in and of itself is very telling and i think that's going to sort of set the narrative that we're now going to follow and is probably going to dominate a large part of 2022 because we've talked about it francis Ngannou's knee is pretty ravaged right now. If he's going to get surgery, that might take him out for the majority of the year. And he even re- reiterated uh, at his post-fight press conference, him and his team are under the belief that once this year expires, whether he fights or not, that is the end of the term of their contract. The five-year term that they had, it's over at the end of this year. And he's still the heavyweight champion. So if that happens and he he's able to walk away with the belt, that'll be something we've never seen before. And this is going to get really interesting really quickly and very messy probably very quickly. Uh, and I'm sure this is not going to be the first nor the last time we're going to talk about this. But Dana White's absence tonight was, it was uh, screaming volumes, I would say. Jose, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go back to you because I – you popped into my head with this whole situation because it was almost four years ago to the day that a very similar situation happened in Boston, Massachusetts. It was a little different. Stipe Miocic beats Francis Ngannou. Dana White's about to wrap the title around Stipe's waist. Stipe says, uh-uh, I'm giving it to my corner, to my coach. He's going to wrap it around my waist, not you, Dana White. And then Dana White did not show up at that press conference either. So this is very similar. And, my, and by the way, the promotion for that fight was not around the champion. It was around the challenger, very much like this fight. So there's a lot of similarities here between the UFC 220 main event and this main event. So what did you think of the whole situation? Because you've been there the last time this happened, where the heavyweight champion, the way the fight ended, there was some drama with Dana White in the title, Dana not showing up to the press conference, and then four years later, almost to the day, we're at this again. What was your thoughts about how this all played out? And, and the I winner just, out just, wrestling the challenger. <laughs> Mm-hmm. I guess I feel kind of jaded, so it doesn't surprise me. Like I was, I was in Abu Dhabi when Dana like walked out in the middle of the fight between Michael Casey and Neil Magny, and that was was the big controversy. And now, like a year later, he's not wrapping the heavyweight title around the guy that he was like for, for as as much as everyone like either loves or hates Dana White, he hasn't promoted a fight that well in the last few years like the last few i can think of were hamzat and him comparing france to a what like a ford escort or some whatever it was and now he's not wrapping the bells around that man so i'm not surprised disappointed but i don't know i, I don't know what to say because it just doesn't nothing surprises me anymore than me nothing surprised me with dana white so the second that fight ended and we saw Dana wasn't there, everyone in the media room was like, he's not coming. We just all accepted it. There was no question. There was no, oh, maybe he's 
Maybe he'll show up early and leave. Nope, it was just accepted. He's not showing up, and that's exactly what happened. AK, it, I mean, again, we're, it's all speculation. These are things we're going to talk about, like, on Between the Links and all these other shows, and we'll be talking about this for months. But AK, we talked about Francis. We talked about Dana White. Let's talk about Cyril Gaon, because the guy, three years into his professional mixed martial arts career, is headlining a pay-per-view against Francis and Ghana for the undisputed UFC heavyweight title. Just thinking about that, just saying those words out loud is it's just remarkable what this guy has done in such a short amount of time while losing stinks. And this one's going to sting for a little while. Do you feel like tonight was a very important night for him? Like it had been great and a memorable moment for him to win the title. But I think if we go back in the serial gone 30 for 30, that comes out a decade from now, we're going to look back on this night as a very pivotal turning point in his career. Yeah, I, look, I think it's just as important as uh, uh, Francis Ngannou losing to Stephen Miocic at UFC 220. Um, now, can can uh, Cyril Gan show the same kind of improvements? Can he bounce back in the same way? And let's not forget, uh, Francis didn't bounce back <laughs> uh, right away. He then had that uh, horrible fight with uh, Derek Lewis, which I know uh, uh, Shaheen and Mark Romano will remember very well. Uh, <laughs> yeah, but That's uh, one of my favorite fights. <laughs> <laughs> and that one... And that fight really raced. I mean, the, the loss to, to Stipe was almost like understandable. People were like, okay, well, Stipe is the champion. He's the guy we kind of see, you know, the great at the time, you know, on his way to becoming the greatest heavyweight champion of all time, uh, more experienced. And they, they you know, and, and Francis went tested. There was a lot of hype. He was favored going to the fight, but it was kind of understandable. And the Derek Lewis fight happened. And a lot of people were like, holy crap, is this, it might not happen for this guy, new guy. And then he goes in this terror, becomes champion. And then here we are now. But um, so God, I don't know. We'll see how God bounces back. Uh, uh, it, it, counting him out would be insane. Like you said, he hasn't been fighting for long. This is his first loss. It's just his 11th professional fight. He seems to have a good team around him. Um, I, I don't know people what they what, how they feel about uh, uh, Fernand Lopez. Very, very vocal guy. But hey, he 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 brought Francis to the UFC. He coached Gone to an interim title. He's done a lot of good work. So uh, whether Gone is going to stick with him or kind of like Francis, maybe expand his his training uh, and and who he works with. Uh, w- remains to be seen, but but uh, he clearly has the potential to still be a world champion. He was winning the first two rounds. Um, I know one of the judges did give round one to uh, to Nganu, but the general consensus seemed to be that Gon was was leading the action, was was winning the fight until the takedowns and the wrestling started happening, uh, and the, and then the, that changed everything. So uh, yeah, let's let's not judge quickly. Again, after two twenty, a lot of question marks around Nganu. There should be the same question marks around Gon now. Maybe he uh, shores up that wrestling game, and, uh, and 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 when they fight again, then he becomes a champion, and the cycle kind of repeats itself. But um, yeah, very, very important fight, win or lose. Uh, and uh, he was all class. He was all class um, at the post-fight press conference saying, like, no, no, obviously no question to the judges. I know I lost. I hope Francis sticks around. I need to fight this guy again. Yep. It's, it's, I thought it's he also- taught a master class on how to handle a loss. Him and Brandon Moreno both. Yeah, I was going to say Brandon Moreno. Brandon Moreno was incredible. With yeah, that. I, I, I coming into I totally didn't realize, or I just realized, like, when uh, Francis fought Stipe the first time, that was only his sixth UFC fight. And then tonight was was uh, Gon's seventh UFC fight. Eighth. You know, so like, eighth, seventh, eight. Oh, wait, wait, sorry, wait, they, were like, they were like one or two apart. It's just incredible the kind of similarities and to, and to count out mm-hmm. Gon has a future, not only a title contender but a future heavyweight great is ridiculous. You know, I think we're like Gon is he's so in the title picture. Like, there's nothing like dismissive about Gon's performance tonight too. It's just 
you know, he lost to a better fighter and that's it, you know. Real quick before we move on to the co-main event, Sean, we knew John Jones was going to be watching the fight. We knew he was going to be tweeting and social mediaing during the fight. Did he lose sleep here watching Francis do some wrestling? And do you feel any more confident than you felt yesterday when we talked about this, that John Jones could be waiting in the wings? Because by the way, the UFC has got to get right with Francis and getting right with Francis and getting right with John Jones. That seems like a lot, my man. That's a big ask right now. That is a big, big (laughs) ask. Uh, I don't know. I mean, I said yesterday that I'm not confident at all that John Jones will fight uh, this year, maybe even again, just in the UFC, the way that this whole situation has played out. But again, I don't even know that that matters right now because John Jones could conceivably step in for some sort of interim title type of situation. But again, Francis (laughs) Ngannou is about to get surgery. Like knee surgery, like I've blown out my knees before. It's it's not a quick recovery. Like that that dude could conceivably be out until the end of the year, just just on the knee surgery alone. If not, you know, seven eight months. So that's a that's a question for long down the line. That's not something that we would be able to probably look at for the summer for you know uh, a big fight week like the international fight week they they, they announced this, the, tonight. Uh, so that's that is a good question. I, I I would say if Francis does fight again in the UFC, it will probably be John Jones. I would imagine they will figure out some way to get that done, and maybe by that point bygones will be bygones. But just one more thing to add to all of this. I did like, again, it's just this whole confluence of events that sort of led to this very strange night with this very strange narrative just around all of this. I was really appreciative that the UFC ended up booking this show in California. And why do I say that? Because in California is one of the last places in the U.S. that actually discloses salaries. So I was, I mean, I spoke to, to California State Athletic Commission uh, Director Andy Foster tonight, and he, he sent me over the salary list, and we were able to see how much everybody made tonight. And I believe you and Casey mentioned it on, on, during the post-fight press conference show, where it's just the, the combined card tonight made like $1.8 million dollars. Or something like that. Like it was just full of like tens and twelves, thousands dollars, and then you had Francis out here making six hundred k. It's like you can see if you're that guy, you can see where he's coming from, making six hundred k plus probably pay per view points for something like this. Where, uh, you know, I, I don't, I forget the boxing match that happened tonight, but I think he made like four million dollars or something like that. And it's a dude I've never really heard of. I, I'm not a big boxing guy, but like, you know, like that. It's just it's not comparable. So it's again. Just all of it, the confluence of all tonight. And and I'm just so glad that they went to California because if this was in Nevada, we wouldn't have gotten these numbers in California. Andy Foster still fights the good fight on this, and I love it. Jake, just to put it in perspective, Jake Paul, the boxer, the (laughs) boxer, not the YouTube guy, Jake Paul, the boxer, made disclosed $25 million last in boxing in 2021. Jake Paul, the boxer. It's insane. It's insane. The new... Flyweight champion, Divas Figueroa, who we were probably about to talk about, made 150K. And I, I saw someone tweet this. I think it was Robert Sargent, uh, a good good friend, Robert Sargent, tweeted something like, Greg Hardy's last disclosed payout was like 180K. And it's just like, Divas Figueroa was making less than Greg Hardy. Like, what's going on? I, I'm just saying. I'm just, just a, saying. Just a couple months ago, I saw um, Donaire, who's a really good Filipino boxer. He weighs, he fights at like 120 pounds, smaller than these guys. Fight, fight in front of uh, maybe 2,000 people on Showtime, not a pay-per-view, and he made almost $400,000. You know, I'm just, it's like, and this, he's, you know, like top, I don't know, 20, top 15, I don't know. It's just, it's, 
the, the debate, the, the debate yeah. is over. Now it's yeah. just like, what's next? <laughs> yes. But, but it, anyway, there, there were tremendous fights. So let's talk about the tremendous fights. Let me mention, guys, I've thrown up a poll before, before we move on because this is last, about the main event. Uh, I threw up a poll in the YouTube comments. When will Francis defend his UFC title again? Uh, four options in the next few months, within the next six months before the end of the year. Uh, never he gone is also one of the options. Uh, never he gone way ahead right now. 49%. Uh, 34% though before the end of the year. So there is still a chunk of fans, uh, at least our, our, our viewership, who thinks that uh, they might work something out for the end of the year and he fights in a UFC championship fight. But uh, no, right now, uh, half half saying that's it. It's the last time you've seen him. Okay. At least, at least th- th- throw a quick poll up and just ask how long will the UFC wait to create an interim belt? Two weeks? Two months? It'll be International <laughs> Fight Week. Two yeah. International Monday. Fight Week. Monday. 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 <laughs> yep. July. We'll see it. The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. DraftKings brings you same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more. Don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down. And new customers to DraftKings can bet 5 bucks to get 150 in bonus bets instantly. You can download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code VOXMMA. That's code VOXMMA for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just 5 bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 and over, age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligible and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. But let's move. Let's move ahead to the flyweight division, Jose. I want to start with you. Davis and Figueredo Woo. comes through, man. There, there was a lot of talk about the the moving of camps, how good he looked. Maybe Moreno has his number, and it wasn't tonight because Davis and Figueredo looked great. It was a super close fight. It was a super fun fight, very compelling. And in the end, Davis and Figueredo gets the nod on all three scorecards. As a fan of high-level martial arts competition, I assume you were quite pleased with the co-main event, were you not? Oh, that fight absolutely ruled. One fight of the night, and that was one of those. The second it ended, you're like, well, good luck beating that. It was the co-main event, but like, this is still like nothing was topping that. I mean, I, I've been in some loud arenas in my life. I was at that Jacksonville card uh, when Masvidal and Usman fought and Masvidal got slept. I've been in a lot of international fight weeks. I've seen Connor fight a lot. I've seen Habib fight a lot. Brandon Moreno's entrance and whenever Brandon Moreno landed any sort of combination is on par with all of them. It's one of the top five loudest MMA arenas I have ever been in. And Figueredo loved being booed every second of that fight. Everything checked the box. It was, all of the drama was there. And then the fight lived up to all of my expectations. It was a high-level martial arts fight inside, in front of a raucous Mexican crowd. There was no Brazilians. Uh, even Davidson figured out after was like, I'll fight in Mexico, but no promise I can get back because I'm probably going to die, me and Henry Sergio. So <laughs> 10 out of 10 across the board, two best flyweights on planet Earth, and I want to see them fight. 10 times that that chant fight forever that you hear in uh, like pwg and ring of honor 
I wanted to chant that. I was being professional in the media room, so I didn't. Uh, but yeah, one of the best flyweight fights I've ever seen. And I can't imagine the fourth fight will be any different. Yeah, Shaw, we, we've been a component of trying to see these guys fight as often as possible. And I remember speaking to, to Colby Covington after he lost to Kamara Usman, and he was dead serious when he said, I want to pitch a best of seven series with Kamara Usman because I feel like we're so evenly matched that this matchup in particular needs to play out over a global sports championship like series. And I feel like we're on the cusp of actually seeing something similar. We're definitely going to see the quadrilogy, but if the, if the UFC wants to do something crazy here and do a best of seven, are you going to complain about this? Cause I sure the hell am, am not going to complain about it. Oh, are you kidding me? Absolutely. First, well, first of all, it's, it's a tetra, it's a tetralogy apparently. Uh, we had people in the chat yesterday tell Duh. us this. I was looked it up afterwards. A series of four is a tetralogy. So that's something that we're going to need to uh, get get used to saying because we're going to be saying it a lot. Uh, the, the vocabulary you learn following the sport, picograms, all of it. You got to love it. Uh, I never, never thought you'd know that. Uh, but, man, all of this just me was so – it's just magic, man. Like if you remember just a few years ago, like I think it was the end of 2018, where we were with the flyweights. And the writing was on the wall, right? Like it was, we were seeing it already, the exodus. There was a gradual trickle of just names getting cut. Uh, DJ got shipped out to one championship in a trade. And it was just like, we had never seen that before. And it looked like after the six years of trying to do this thing, the UFC kind of just threw their hands up and they were like, all right, this didn't work. Fans don't care. Maybe, you know, maybe they were even right. And it was just like, all right, there's, we were just going to cut this and, and cut bait and just keep on moving without the flyweights. And it's just crazy to look back on that now because it is such a different world and you give Henry, Henry Cejudo some credit for that as well. He saved that division in the moment. Uh, he was sort of what that division needed in that moment, but right now where the flyweight division is and, and how amazing it is right now is really just a credit to these two gentlemen we saw tonight. Divas Figueredo and Brandon Moreno are just two demons who were seemingly born to fight one another. Like every step of this trilogy has been absolutely thrilling. And Jose said tonight was one of the best flyweight fights he's ever seen. I think we've, we could say that about two of the three fights we've seen so far now uh, uh, in this, in this trilogy, two of the greatest flyweight fights we've ever seen. And the other one was also a very exciting fight as well. It's just so amazing now where these men have dragged this division that once nobody cared about and jose was absolutely right because when brandon moreno was out there tonight when he walked out to that arena and every time he did anything he felt like he mattered right like he felt like a champion he felt like a star in a way that we really haven't seen any flyweight feel like and and just divas and figueredo was is the ultimate heel like to, to be able to pull off i know this was for some people they disagree with the decision but even if you disagree with this decision, and for my for me, I scored it 3-2 Figgy, uh, but even if you disagreed with the decision, you have to give so much respect to that man because in his moment of glory, he not only just called immediately for a fourth fight with this dude, he called for it in Mexico, like of all places. That man, man, wants to go and just get oh. drowned in booze uh, in Mexico. Like we, the first one was – the second one was in Phoenix. Third one was in Anaheim. Like Mexico City would be obscene compared to the booze he got in Phoenix and Anaheim. Like it was just crazy, man. I love it. I absolutely love it. What's up, Jose? He changed his mind. Watch the post-fight <laughs> press conference. He uh, doesn't want to fight in Mexico oh, no. anymore. He wants to fight in Brazil or the United States because he doesn't think him and Henry will be able to escape Mexico after. But uh, I asked him specifically. I said, there's a rumored fight in May in Brazil. Why not fight at home? And then he laughed. He goes, yeah, 
I probably won't make it back out of Mexico. So, and then later on, he said he wanted to move his family to the United States. So he either wants to fight in Brazil or the U.S. And he sort of walked his Mexico call out back, which is a little disappointing. Yeah, I think either he deserves. Way. Either way, the, yeah, he, he deserves to yeah. fight in Brazil. Like, the, can the, can you imagine just like a few years ago pitching someone on the idea of that? Like these flyways are going to fight four times in a row. Not only is it going to be totally make sense and everyone's going to be totally deserved, but like. Fans are going to love it. They're going to support it. And we're all going to be genuinely excited for each fight. Like, it's just crazy. I can't think of any parallels what, to anything I, like this in MMA history. And I know I, we always go like the all-time thing, but like, this is just nuts, man. I know pay-per-view, pay-per-view buys are different, but Jose, in the arena, I mean, a freaking flyweight, Brandon Marino, this guy that you could put two of them inside Francis Ngannou, you know, and like he was the biggest star. Like, he was, he was he the biggest star by far, way bigger Francis. than Francis, right? They didn't need that heavyweight title. That, they, they, this fight could have headlined, yeah. Right now, without a doubt. They, he, there was no Francis, no Cyril chance at all at the ceremonials or press conferences or anything. It was all Brandon Moreno. The fighter hotel is every Mexican in the world in the <laughs> lobby in with mariachi music. So, <laughs> They didn't need the heavyweight title. This fight could have been next month in Houston, the main event, and all the seats still would have been filled for Brandon Moreno, Davis, and Figueredo. Can Figueredo Moreno 4, can that headline a pay-per-view in the right arena, in the right location? Yes. Yeah. yeah I, I, so. I believe so, too. I, believe. <laughs> I, think, I think it could have done that. I think the UFC didn't uh, – I don't. Th- I think the UFC underestimated, seriously, how what a, what a draw those flyweights are, especially together. I, I really think they underestimated yeah. it. <laughs> this is a classic. This is a classic. Have your cake and eat it too kind of card because you wanted to sell tickets for the arena, and you knew figure Moreno Figueredo could sell out that Honda Center easy because of the population. Moreno's gym is like a two-hour drive from there, so you knew the tickets would sell. But would that be enough to get five hundred thousand buys on pay-per-view? Might be a little bit of a different story. Let's pad it with the heavyweight championship fight. Because even the casual fan can understand the freaking weight of a heavyweight championship fight. So I understand what they're doing there. AK, you, you're, you're patiently waiting. You watched uh, Davis and Figueredo go out there and, and, and do the damn thing. And as yeah. much as you want to dump on Henry Cejudo for this awful build to the <laughs> fight and how he made it about himself, the guy is probably the nominee. He's, even with what Francis did, a little bit of a hot take. Henry Cejudo right now. Is probably the coach of the year in MMA, is he not? Oh, like, what, no, what? what? We what? can't attribute what? We can't attribute everything that right happened. The second, <laughs> just to him. Just to why is it just Cejudo, though, that gets the credit for this? I mean, for sure he's a factor in it. But, I mean, yeah. Figueredo himself said the whole camp was great. He said he thanked the UFCP uh, before, this was before uh, at their media day, talking about, like, he, he was grateful the PI helped him with, like, sorting out his diet. So there's so many things went to him improving. Again, a big tip of the cap to Cejudo, for sure. Uh, he's certainly the, the, the front face of uh, all these improvements that uh, Figueredo made, but it, it, it can't just come down to him. Just, just like I wouldn't just give you know all the credit to Eric Nixick for for uh, like we said coaching uh, you know Ngannou to, uh, to to his win today. I give him a ton of credit for sure, but I, I don't know what well, I'm sure Cejudo will have a lot to say about it. I'm sure uh, uh, Coach Eric will break it down to all the stuff they did, and uh, and that's fine. But I don't know. I don't know if I want to give it all all the credit to Cejudo. Um, again, maybe I'm just resisting because I'm sure he's gonna he's gonna want to take a lot of it. Um, I, I do want to ask though. So we all want to see the fourth fight. Uh, it would be unpre- unprecedented to even have a, like we said, a tetralogy in the UFC. It's never happened before. Much less if it happened again, this would be like 
people want to see it now. So we're talking about like <laughs> the same guys fight each other four, four straight times. Like I don't know if the UFC would do that, but I also don't know what makes sense because uh, uh, Figgy said he would want to fight Kai Car France. So he mentioned him by name. Kai Car France uh, has a fight booked in March. He's fighting Askarov. So that fight is still happening. Um, presumably, if Kai Car France won, then that would really make you know uh, him a very good option for uh, for Figueredo. And I guess it might line up with the timing with the rumored uh, Brazil card, which they're saying uh, May, right? Sometime in May. That's that's the idea. We don't know for sure yet, right? May. What Brazil? Anyone? It's looking like yeah, that, May. So yeah, it would, May so, se- May seventh. So it could work out if if, if um, excuse me if Kai Car France like smoked Askarov somehow. Uh, and then stayed in shape and said, yeah, two months later, I'm ready. I'm, I'm not hurt. I'm ready to fight in May. That could make sense if Figgy wanted that home date. So I, I just wonder the timing of when you would do when you would do the Moreno fight. Because, uh, again, May is kind of a long is – is a bit of ways away. Um, I don't know when Figgy would want to fight again, if you wouldn't necessarily want to wait for Brazil. So a, a lot of things have to factor. And, again, Kaikar France, Askar Askarov, um, I don't think they can be ignored. And, yes, does the UFC want to do four straight? Like they've never they've never booked anyone four fights at all, much less in a row. So the timing is tricky here. The timing is tricky. I, I, that should be the next poll I put up: is do you want to see this right away? I'll put that up in a bit. Yeah, you, yeah, I do. Yeah, and if they fight again, like I want to see number five. No matter who wins, I want to see number five. Like unless Maybe somebody gets in like MMA, not just the UFC, like an MMA to like legitimately do a series like that. Like to, to just do a yeah, this is a best of seven or best of five or best of seven series and uninterrupted and i think it's a cool idea uh, we've talked about it before we thought like mm-hmm. best of five is maybe more reasonable just because the amount of damage like if the fights are this competitive you have to imagine the amount of damage these guys are doing to each other do you want to make them fight each other seven times um but with these two uh, uh, again it's such a unique pairing uh as shaheen said two guys just born to share a cage together and brutalize each other maybe seven's the way to go but then then maybe seven won't be enough so i don't know i don't know where we draw the line but see, here's the thing too, right? Because here's the weird thing about all of this is I don't know how I can, I'm not good at math, especially not on the fly. So I'm not gonna be able to do the math on this on the fly. But like, I don't know how many minutes these two guys have fought each other at this point. It's got to be at least like 37, 38, something like that, right? Uh, it's 50, no, 50, 50, 50, 50. See, I said I was 57 yeah, yeah. or something. No, six, over an hour, over an hour they fought. It's yeah. over an hour, and yet. Do anybody does anybody here on this panel, any four of us, feel confident whatsoever that you know who the better fighter is right now? Not at all. I have no idea. I have absolutely no idea. And if and whenever this fourth fight happens, I have no clue who I'm going to pick. It, it that's such a crazy place to get to with after at three straight fights between these guys. And I again, I can't think of a comparison like this in the history of the UFC. Did, and for those who are like, I can't, I can't take any more of this. Like, what about these other contenders? L- l- let me throw this at you. The UFC has booked interim title fights for way less. <laughs> this would yeah. be a great time to have an interim champion. Then you can have like basically two flyweight champions. The division can still kind of move forward. Let these two guys just battle it off for the undisputed title. And then whoever comes out of the best of seven, we fight the interim champion. We unify the titles. What a perfect time to in- introduce an interim title. This would, it would work fine. And we could do the best of seven and everybody freaking wins. Let's have some fun, UFC, for once. Fine. Dana, you don't want to show up at the press conference? I hope you're drawing up contracts for a best-of-seven series for the flyweight <laughs> championship of the world. There you go. I mean, what happens it's if we tough. go to this fourth fight? Let's say it ends in a no contest, then it's just 1-1-1-1. One, 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 one. Like, come on, let's go. Let's keep it going. Let's keep it going. <laughs> let's keep it going. <laughs> What's after uh, a tetralogy? 
I want to know all the ologies Hex- after Hexology, trilogy. Yeah, we're just making Hexology? up words. Yeah, Hex would be six. No, Hex would be six. Oh, yeah, you're right. Yeah. So know. eventually, eventually, they will, get, they will get to the Octology. 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 That's what you want. Yeah, that's, that's the end game of this. That's the end that's game. The end game. <laughs> I, 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 I do mean, I do I one. do wish we could normalize again like having the best fight the best frequently like again that's not the common thing I mean MMA is all about creating fresh matchups traditionally I mean I get it? it that's um I, I mean for fans I mean look we've questioned a lot I, of no, rivalry sell that's we've what questioned we a lot like, fresh matchups or whatever there were a lot of fresh matchups well, on this card but it was the rematch the the trilogy yes. was just the biggest fight on the card I mean well we've questioned storyline the past. We've questioned a lot of rematches in the past, uh, instant rematches. Um, but that, but but that doesn't mean we're against the idea of instant, instant rematches. We just don't want bad instant rematches. Like like Cody yeah. Cody TJ two was so like why why did why would you book this right away? Uh, though in retrospect, maybe it never would have happened if they didn't book it right away. Now that we know uh, sort of how how Cody's career has gone, but um, but yeah, in general, we don't want those. But for something like this, like 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 Shaheen said, that that's there's just we just don't have the answer yet. And again, we may never get the answer. Like I said, it could do a seven fight series, and and by the end, it could be what three, two, three, three. Imagine if it's three, three and one, and then we're just like, got to run it back again. It's time for the archaeology. <laughs> it can happen. It can happen. But but I don't know if you can. As much as we love seeing fresh matchups, man, how can you ever complain about no, seeing? Never. Like as soon as this fight started, I was like, I can't. I, I understand people want to see like Pantoja or Askarov or uh, someone else fight Moreno. Okay. Okay. But man, but these guys are the two best. These because are the also, two best. How can you not want to see that? Because also, the, too, AK, like, we've seen them grow throughout this series just as, as fighters and as people, right? Like, Brandon Moreno in there tonight looked so effing confident. Like, he looked like the dude Ooh. who you think is the champion. That like, walkout. When he was walking out. Yeah, Like, man, the music like, and that, that – his little – oh, man. Like, I was like, okay, I got hyped. I forgot that was I, I, got, that I forgot guy. that was the co-main event. I really did. When I was watching that fight, I was like, "Oh, there's another fight after this." Like it felt like the main event. It like I don't to me at home, it felt like the main event. It did. Just even even his mannerisms in the cage, the the way he was fighting, just everything exuded confidence from that guy. And that is not the same guy who fought uh, Divas Figueroa at the end of 2020. Like he has grown exponentially through this, just as a person and as an athlete. And you could say the same about Divison and changing up his entire mm-hmm. camp. Going with this whole new team, going to a super scientific approach with the weight cut, looked fantastic, weighed in a pound under. Like both these dudes have brought out the best in each other, and it's just magic, man. We could go on for hours talking about this. I yeah. love it. Oh, yeah. Give me 15 fight, of these bad boys. Let's fight go. of the year candidate already. I mean, I hope people don't I know it's it's we're early, but I hope people don't forget about this one. Uh, you know, uh, uh, 11 months from now. Keep this one in mind. This is this might be in the top five. Is a great. We great have fight. a Slack channel just so we don't forget about this. Well, <laughs> we do. Yes. You you folks playing at home should also st- you can st- make your own Slack channel and just get a pen and paper and uh, keep a notepad. Henry Saputo, coach of the year. Also, I will By the way, say I'm real not quick, wrong about that. Go ahead. Before we move on, uh, I'm just going to say I threw out a little parlay on on. Friday's preview show of my picks. I wish, by the way, I was two and zero. Oh, just saying, uh, if you would have <laughs> put that money on that parlay, that was like five to one odds of Francis and Davidson made some oh, good yeah. money. So I hope yeah. a few of you at least followed the Ashadi advice. Just saying, you should have because you, if you're going to bet on Moreno Figueredo, you had to bet Figgy with that. It'd be just too too juicy at like plus one sixty. You you can't bet Moreno when Figgy's sitting there plus one sixty because even though he got stopped, like you had to. And then Agano was just underdog money. Like any gambler out there is like, oh, thank you all so much for flipping this line because that's just no disrespect to Cyril Gan, but that just seems like way too good to be true. Does, so yeah. 
just just good pour stuff. one out for for all the poor betters who who put their money on Francis winning by a knockout because that's a tough beat. <laughs> that's a real tough yes. beat. There was one I, I there was one person who was bitter about his Brandon Moreno ticket not cashing uh, because he thought Moreno won and thought there was some sort of robbery. But I guess when you have your own money into it, you might feel that way. So he decided to put some money on Francis winning by decision, and he showed me the ticket plus fourteen hundred. Francis by decision, got it done. Wow, Dang. fourteen to one odds. Fourteen to one odds on Francis by decision. Kudos to that guy. Goodness, air fryers that's for everybody. A, <laughs> yeah, that's a great bitter bet right there. That's just a, that's a bitter <laughs> bet that paid off. Normally, that does not pay off for you, and I don't recommend that to anybody. But good on you. So those are the two title fights. They're so damn good. Just so damn good. We know it's we know what's next for both those guys. More than likely going to get after it again, and before, I'll see before it the we, Before we get off this fight and talk about the rest of the card, uh, when is the whole the storyline that flyweights don't sell? When is that going to die, or is that is that never going to die? I mean, it, it dies when they because, sell. It dies when they yeah, sell. We'll see. Because as as much as we're giving this all the plaudits that it deserves, it wasn't the main event, and it's not. But, but, you know, but, when, it, when a flyweight it, 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 it sold with, tickets. It sold tickets. Sure, it sold, it sold but, tickets. If, yeah, sure. So, but that's but not the metric upon which we sort of measure all this, right? Like, that, like that, that that'll go away. Yeah. If if Moreno de Figueredo four headlines the next card that it's on, and then that sells like five hundred k, like then that narrative goes away, right? Like, because that's a, that's a successful pay per view. Yeah. So that's that's when it'll go away. Okay. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it was like featherweights don't sell, and then Conor McGregor showed up, and obviously exactly. featherweights do sell. Yeah. So that's, I'm just kind of curious when that when we're yeah. going to kind of kill that narrative because I don't think we say that takes. anymore that lightweights don't sell anymore. I mean, sorry, featherweights don't sell because we, yeah, we're over that. But cool. Yeah, we're taking we're taking we're taking baby steps though. We're in a much better spot than we were a few years back. Even though we had probably we had arguably the best fighter on planet Earth as the champion of that division, it's it, it still wasn't. There's no sizzle to the stake. It was just like wow, this DJ, this Demetrius Johnson guy is really really good. And then Cejudo came along and sizzle things up and then Figueredo came over and just started brutalizing people and you're like damn this 125 pound guy is doing that to these guys and then Moreno comes in with his Lego collecting self <laughs> and just bring in positivity like you've never seen to this division he's becoming a star so it's like the Cejudo so laid out the plant of the seeds but these guys have in hit like watered taken over they've watered and, the seeds hard yeah yeah yeah, like there's no need for Henry Cejudo to fight again. Like at 25 or 35, like these divisions have moved on, especially 25, which is fascinating mm-hmm. and remarkable. And it gets, shows a lot to what Figueredo has done for himself as a star because Figueredo is probably the most interesting guy on earth. Just go back and read anything Guillermo yeah. Cruz has written about Davis and Figueredo <laughs> and his development as a fighter. The guys had 400 jobs and they're all one each more interesting <laughs> than, the, than the previous one. And then Moreno is just such a happy-go-lucky guy. I want to see these guys fight forever. So great co-main event. Main event was super interesting. The storylines following that are going to be super interesting. But Sean, what else stood out to you? What was your, uh, if we're doing like high school superlatives, what was like that superlative that most likely to succeed performance tonight that, that needs a little shine? Oh, man. That's tough because there was a lot. We mentioned it earlier on the show, but <laughs> yeah. like, again, th- this card got a lot of grief and rightfully so when you have half the card making their UFC debut and charging $75 for it, like... That's a rough get, but it was a really fun night. And there was a lot of really yeah. crazy insanity, especially early on. The early prelims were nuts. Uh, and I'm sure we'll get into that a tiny bit, but I just have to mention the one man who had probably the most infamous surname on the whole entire card, Mr. <laughs> Nurmagomedov, because the way that that dude went in there and just blew through Cody Stamen, uh, and, and not just like 
any Cody Stamen, right? But like a desperate Cody Stamen. As Cody Stamen, who told you, Mike, uh, made several metaphors and allusions to, to uh, the, the way that he was back was against the wall. I believe he said his, his nuts were against a bandsaw, which is, uh, that's just poetic. Um, he coming in, losing two in a row, and he knew kind of like his job might be on the line. And this is a guy who's been in there with Aljo. He's been in there with uh, Marab. Like he's been in there with Song Yudong. No one's beaten Cody Stamen the way Nurmagomedov beat him tonight. That, what was that, like 47 seconds? Like that was like a flawless victory. Flawless. That was a, that was a flawless victory, man. Like he ran through him like a steamroller, and that's now a guy who all like of a sudden that's the type. <laughs> he ran through him like a panther, <laughs> uh, and that's the type of performance that really can open eyes really quickly, right? Because this is a guy who's been out of action for like fifteen months, something like that, and now all of a sudden the Dagestan knuckle game cartel, as our good friend Jed likes to call it, he he was looking like one of the most intriguing members of this whole gang. Now he asked for Marlon Vera next, and. That probably doesn't sound that appetizing to Cheeto, but I don't hate that idea. I actually kind of really love it. So I, I hell of a performance from Norman Madoff. Awesome. Absolutely. AK. Awesome. awesome submission. I just like this card overall. I, I just want to say, like, if I, I hadn't given it a gymnastics, you know, pre-fight gymnastics rating, but um, I, 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 I was definitely one of the biggest critics of the card. I mean, that's that's for sure. But uh, you know, if I was to be optimistic about, it, I would have said, well, hopefully this is a card where uh, the the prelims have the kind of mismatches that fans like, uh, which results in either exciting fights or fast finishes. And we didn't quite get that, but we did get uh, the the kind of compelling fights part. I was a little surprised to still still see some people, and maybe I'm just looking at the wrong comments, but some people on social media. Uh, some people in like the MMAfighting.com like comments section going like, oh, this card's been a snoozer. Can't wait for the, you know, can't wait for the main card mm-hmm. to start. Cause I'm like, we had a lot of good action. Like I thought um ja- uh, Jasmine uh uh Jez De- Jez De- uh, Mike help me with this. Jez Devious. Jazz Devizius. Jazz Devizius. Thank you. No, no, no. I, I got to get this. Jasmine right. uh, Jazz Devizius. I, I, I thought uh, she looked really strong in her debut. The Demopolis comeback was, we're, we're forgetting this now. The, Demo- the Demopolis comeback was stunning. Uh, uh, Juarez looked like a killer for about uh, 30 seconds and then and then unfortunately succumbed to uh, jiu-jitsu uh, Matt Favola, Gennaro Valdez was exciting as hell uh, I enjoyed the Tony Gravely fight but I'm a Tony Gravely fan I know it's a bit of a grind for people but again I think the bantamweight division is just so deep Jack Della Maddalena took care of business as he was expected to uh, Victor Henry, Casey your, your guy, uh, uh, all you and your rising, you rising yeah. fanboys I know, yeah. oh, incredible, uh, great fight wait for me, yeah, yeah of course, of course, great fight <laughs> <laughs> Michael Morales lived up to the hype. I, I wasn't a believer. Twenty-two year old kid looks spectacular, uh, taking out a veteran Trevin Giles, and then uh, as as uh, uh, Shaheen mentioned, the Saeed performance, and then Michelle Pajeda Fiala was also a great fight. I love that Michelle Pajeda Andre Fiala fight. So it was a, it was a very very strong card. Um, maybe sold on two fights, but I think this is one you could put you could watch again and be like, man, this was this was pretty decent. So. Uh, congrats, of course, to the fighters, to everyone who fought. We criticize the matchmaking sometimes, but the fighters, you know, it's always on them to perform. And I thought a lot of them just did an amazing job tonight. So uh, big big round of applause for the fighters. And just the weird right, so- irony of MMA that of the crappy card, well, the one good fight we know is going to rule the main event. Of all the fights on the card, that's probably the one fight we're gonna, not going to go back. And, yeah, the yeah. worst and the least entertaining <laughs> fight. The one fight that sold the card was the least entertaining fight that's just that's, that's, that's that is mixed martial arts yeah mm-hmm. <laughs> it's wild I, before i go to you casey so you could talk about victor henry and how great <laughs> he was uh i'm going to award the inaugural chris barnett get yourself over award to vanessa demopoulos yes. because yes I mean, a, pl- a plus night for her a plus night a beast boy sort of 
showing in, in after losing your first UFC fight, a la Chris Barnett, she comes back, gets drilled with one of the most ferocious strawweight punches you will ever see in your life. How she survived that in general would have gotten her over. Then she turns it into a finish. Then she's dropping splits in the middle of the octagon. Then she's hopping into the hulking arms of Joe Rogan. And then she goes back and just cuts a killer post-fight scrum with the media and gets really open and honest about some stuff that may have been out there for like the hardcore fan to know, but a lot of the casual UFC fans probably know, know nothing about her, but they know of her right now. So a plus night for, for Vanessa Demopoulos. Uh, looking forward to talking to her this coming week on, we got next. It's already set up and looking forward to, to diving in depth into that story. So Casey, Victor Henry, oh, yada, 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 and yada, 50, $50,000 oh, and 50 G's Damn. and 50 G's. I tweeted this. You mentioned Chris Barnett. I tweeted this. I, uh, hopefully he sees this. I don't know how active he is on social media, but I tweeted at Chris Barnett. Please, Chris Barnett, jump ju- jump into Joe Rogan's arms next time you get a win. Uh, <laughs> please do this. Please do the do the Demopolis and jump into do Joe Rogan's arms. Hopefully it's Joe Rogan. Maybe it'll be Michael Bisping. I don't know. Beast Boy. This it's a it's a great way to celebrate. Yeah. Normalize jumping into Joe Rogan's arm. Normalize yeah. jump. Yes. Dirty hashtag. dancing style. Just gotta, jump yeah, and let yeah. Rogan just hoist you up into the sky. And Come on, Rogan. You got all that on it on you and whatever. Yeah, it's good, man. <laughs> uh, all right, Casey, Victor Henry. I told you. No. <laughs> oh, man. It was just. You, you did. I did. Uh, okay. I picked Victor Henry, but it was one of those. I was like, I picked Victor Henry, but I was like, in my back, kind of back in my mind, I'm like, Damn, this is a tough fight. <laughs> this is a really tough fight. I thought his opponent was pretty much the most um, underrated uh, bantamweight in the division. He was super exciting. Whether it's a three uh, three performance bonuses and five fights or something, but man, he just—I'm just excited. Like people just—I think because you know you see a lot. There's a lot of silly pictures of him. You know, I think when initially the fight got bugged, there was a photo of him making a funny face, and that got all the posters. So people just didn't take it seriously. Oh, he's this guy that fights in Japan. No, he was. A serious fighter. He was on his way to uh, fighting for the Ryzen Bantamweight Championship, which at that time, maybe I think Kai Asakura or even Horiguchi was a champion at that time. And of course, COVID screwed up that. So his kind of career kind of just stalled. And man, just just his style. And when he won, it's just a super exciting fight. The biggest underdog on the card. And then when he gets the mic in front of his home, basically his hometown crowd, he dedicates the fight to like his friends who have recently lost his mom, and then he talks about just the the honor of being a martial artist. I freaking loved it. I'm just I was so I was so happy for him because I, I know him. I did a video on him. Uh, I visited his home. I, I I like he's from. I mean, not to, to put it bluntly, a pretty shitty part of L.A., very dangerous part of L.A. Called Southgate. Um, it's a it's a part of LA where you, there, there's a freeway that just cuts through, and you just drive through, and you go, "I've never seen this area of town." You just keep going. That's where he's from, and um, just uh, a true martial artist, uh, Josh Barnett, protege, catch, proud of his catch wrestling um, heritage, and just this is what martial arts, mixed martial arts, is all about. And it was just uh, a great. It was great seeing him, and just. Even just more, more, more just freaking talented 135ers in the UFC. Good Lord, that division is freaking stacked. So um, just super excited for him. And I, I, and I hope the feeling came across to everyone else. Like, you know, just uh, that's the guy you're just going to be excited. It's just, just a good dude and you're just going to be happy to see him fight again. 
Yes. And of course, the most important of the the martial arts that you didn't mention was the taste in music, which oh. is obviously yeah. <laughs> what gets you over the top in uh, in yeah, the UFC that, and in the Bantamweight division. So uh, listen, all things considered, the, the ravaging this card took, this is a pretty damn good night of fights. This is a, a pretty killer pay-per-view. The yeah. storylines coming out of it are so interesting. And that always means that it's one of those memorable cards. And we'll be talking about it throughout the week. No UFC next week, by the way. Uh, actually, AK and I are going to talk about it more tomorrow. So t- tomorrow, tomorrow take a morning? little nap, everybody. It's <laughs> like six and a half hours from <laughs> so, right now, you mean, live you mean mon- on this you mean very Monday. page. You mean Monday, nope. right, Mike? No, AK. Sunday. Yeah, get some Zs, brah, because we're waking up and we're going to look good. We're not going to wear pajamas like we normally do when we record on to the next one. We're going to be looking dapper in our Sunday best, talking about some matchmaking. 11 a.m. tomorrow morning, or actually 11 a.m. this morning, about six and a half hours from right now. <laughs> Uh, join us for on to the next one a special live edition coming out of UFC 270 no UFC next week they're back on February 5th Jack Hermanson versus Sean Strickland however Bellator is back next week oh yeah big fight and they're coming to the arena of the best damn team in the NBA let's go number one baby Another big, win today. Another big win today. Another big win today. Oh, uh, sorry, my point. Oh, that's all we do. I, do say, all we do. I quickly threw up. Uh, I, I should have thrown this up earlier. Should Davison Figueroa, Brandon Moreno, four be next? Uh, and it's pretty close. Yes, book it right away. Fifty-six percent. No, let's see a fresh challenger. Forty-four uh, percent. And, and again, I threw it up a little late, so it doesn't have quite the sample size. The last poll, but uh, there's a split. Not not everyone wanted to see see it again. So nah, it just means forty-four percent of people were wrong. I mean, that's oh, I'll stop it. Exactly. I'll stop it. Shaheen. Hundred percent. Yes. And speaking of uh, stars on the rise. That Bellator card will feature the return of one Ben Big Tuna Parish. So you know you got to watch. So thank you for watching, everybody. For Sean, for Casey, for AK, I am Mike Heck. Good night, everybody. Happy birthday, AK. It's not my birthday. Why do you keep telling me it is? Weird. You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook an official sports betting partner of the NBA. DraftKings brings you same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more. You can download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code VOXMMA. That's code VOXMMA for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just 5 bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 and over. Age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligible and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources.